Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Millennial Catholic. I'm your host, Andrew Miller, and with me again this week is Father Scott. Welcome back, Father Scott. It's good to be back. So we have, or you have, talked a lot about this idea or this heresy more along the terms Hmm. of modernism. Oh. Yes, your favorite heresy to talk about all the time. That's actually true. (laughs) Yep. So the so let's let's start with what is the definition of a heresy? Good, a heresy is a false teaching. Plain, simple, to the point. Yes. What is this heresy that you like to spout on about for the past hundred fifty years of modernism? Okay, this is a great question. Uh, you'll see on my YouTube channel and, and on our parish website, uh, I'm going to be talking about the seven days of creation. You can see behind me on the board here. Well, they can't, but you can. My my random ramblings. Uh, regarding uh, regarding um, uh, the seven days of creation. So uh, the issue here is, and, and Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien, really recognized this problem. So did C.S. Lewis. And the, his creation of the Chronicles of Renania, uh Tolkien's creation of the Lord of the Rings, was precisely to combat modernism. How? They tried to awaken, awaken in people. They tried to reform people's imaginations, right? To, to imagine that God created the universe and that God was continuing to sustain the universe in existence and that God was playing and his angels were playing an active role in the universe, right? This is a Catholic sacramental understanding of creation, right? So, the big question is, um, wh- why do we think today that God did not create the universe? Why do we think today that God does not sustain the universe? Or why do we think to get today that God has no active role in the governance of the universe, right? Why, why do people have such a tough time believing in angels? I think, I think part of this is, is you come from this mindset of, well, if you ask for something, it will be granted. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, oh, if you pray about it, he'll answer your prayers. And a lot mm-hmm. of people don't hear answers mm-hmm. in the way that people expect to hear answers, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I want a puppy. Mm-hmm. Wake up the next morning, there's no puppy. Yes. You know, wake up the next morning, there's still no puppy. Correct. Do this for a month, two months, three months, and still no puppy. Well, then that means that there is no God or God doesn't like me or God doesn't really answer prayers. But what you weren't listening to is your dad saying, well, if you can prove that you can deserve a puppy, we can get a puppy. So there's mm-hmm. the answer to your prayer is not necessarily a direct, you know. Right. Yes or no. Yeah. Right. But, but you're, 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 yeah, that's good, but you're not, that's not modernism. Uh, what you're describing is normal human doubt and a lack of faith. Uh, Modernism is even more sinister than a lack of faith. It's a lack of the possibility for faith. Uh, Modernism goes against natural religion itself. This is why I love John Lennon's song as a prophet for modernism, because he he, he is forming people's imaginations, right? He is saying, imagine there's no heaven, imagine there's no hell, no, no, no heaven above us, above us only sky, right? That's a, a great line that he uses. And, and the reason why he's using that line is this is how many people today think. They think there is no heaven above us. It's only sky um, or it's only outer space. Um, and this idea of modernism 
makes a person think there's no point in praying because there is no one listening. It's not that God doesn't answer my prayers. It's that there is no God to answer my prayers. I'm just offering my prayers to the sky, right? Because there's no heaven above us. That's that's the... See, modernism has so formed the human imagination that they don't even look to God for answers. I always remember I was, I was talking with my, my cousin on the phone about the worries about the coronavirus and everything, and we're getting ready for Easter, so I've got Jesus on the mind, you know? Right. And she says, now, the only thing that's going to save the world is a vaccine. And it, it, it just struck me. You know, it used to be we would believe the only thing that will save the world is God, right? Or his son, Jesus. Yeah. But she's not even looking down that road because there's no point, according to the modernist uh, imagination, to even bother looking down that road. This is why you'll see some some atheists, they'll say, these are questions you don't even need to bother asking. I remember this distinctly. And Neil deGrasse Tyson, he's, a, he's one of my favorite atheists, and uh, Stephen Colbert were having a little show together. And Stephen's a devout Catholic. And so Stephen asks him, why is there something rather than nothing? And Neil deGrasse Tyson says, some questions aren't worth asking. And I said, wow, that, that's, that's the difference. So it's not that they doubt. It's not that they think that God doesn't answer prayers. Uh, that may have been some experience that led them to this conclusion, but it's that the very nature of the human intellect has changed so radically that we don't even look to the creator for help. That, that's the big difference. I mean, that's, that is modernism. It, modernism is the formation of the imagination to believe there is no creator. And this destroys, as St. Pius X said, even back in 19, uh, I think it was 07, in his encyclical Pashendi, he said, this destroys natural religion. What's natural religion? It's like when you've got the ancient tribes people and they realize there's such a great grandeur and wonder to all creation there must be some kind of creator to have brought it into existence. Now we no longer even think that way, right? To quote another great musician of the 60s, Paul Simon saw this. He says, we, we, we speak without, um, uh, we, we, we speak without listening and we worship the neon God we made, right? Um, in his, his, uh, in his uh, song, Sound of Silence. And so we, we are in a world now which this is why the pandemic has hit people so hard and the reason why there's such a fear of death um, because this is as good as it gets in the imagination of many people. If, we, if they imagine there is no heaven, then they've got to make heaven on as, as good a situation with this earth as possible, right? right. So, so this, is, it, this is why I get so fired up about modernism because it is so infectious. Um, and people, even Catholics, don't realize how infected they have been by this ideology because uh, it's been uh, so well hidden uh, for so long. Um, uh, so yeah, this is this is this is the real issue. Um, and the church was has been trying to fight this thing, but then it gave up <laughs> trying to fight modernism, and and that's why we're in such a mess we are today. So you, I want to go back a little bit to your cousin saying that the only way to save the world is a vaccine. Mm-hmm. We believe through the book of Revelation, eventually God will return mm-hmm. and save the world mm-hmm. from damnation. Mm-hmm. Can't both be right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I would even argue, where does original thought come from for the scientist to, 
to create the vaccine, right? These original thoughts actually come from God, right? Because God inspires people, right? Penicillin, inspiration, right? This right. helps save lives. And so in a lot of ways, a scientist is a very religious person by the nature of their work, right? Because the scientist is trying to discover truth, right? And that in and of itself is a religious endeavor. Um, so, however, if modernism continues to metastasize, science will no longer be seeking for truth. Instead, science will be seeking uh, control. And those are different attitudes, right? So, um, uh, yeah, you see a glimmer of that with um, Nazi Germany when they come to power. They, 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 they modify their science to justify their ideology, right? So the Nazis considered themselves to be the master race, right? So right. they would do scientific – they would use, quote, unquote, science, the, the size of the cranium, you know, the facial structure of, a, of an Aryan person, right, is superior then, of course, to the other, to the other races. And, and this is the – so the warped, um, the warped ideology they then used – they tried in a false science, right? It's not real science because it's not pursuing truth. But we're seeing a lot of that today where people are saying, well, it's science. I'm like, well, no, it isn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's just not true. Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of, if the ideology is wrong, the, the science will try to defend that ideology. And wrong. I, even on my board behind me, I've got a perfect example. So many of you, and your, your dad will love this, Jackie. Uh, Einstein <laughs> came up with the cosmological constant, right? Because he was trying to explain uh, some of these discrepancies that he found in the universe, right? And so Edwin Hubble and, and Father Georges Lemaitre, the Belgian priest, right? They came up with this, they discovered evidence that because of the red shifting of stars, which means all the stars are moving away from us, they're, they're expand, which means the universe is expanding, which then leads to the conclusion, well, if it's expanding now, uh, pro the probability is that it had been contracted in the past to a singularity, with, which eventually exploded and caused the Big Bang, right? Einstein had a really tough time believing this, right? Because Einstein believed that the universe should be static. It just makes the other equations work good, right? Right. So, uh, but then he was having some trouble, so he kind of manufactured this thing called the cosmo co cosmological constant to make sense of his equations. But... Um, he then later said in his career that was the biggest mistake of his life, coming up with a cosmological constant. And it was because he was trying to force a round peg through a square hole. The, the, the evidence was showing that the universe had a beginning. Uh, science of that day said universe does not have a beginning. And so he had to be convinced by the evidence, um, which, which makes sense. He's a good scientist. But why was the prejudice towards a universe without a beginning? Right, and, and that prejudice had to be overthrown. Why am I getting into all of this? Um, why am I doing this, Andrew? Why am I talking about all this stuff? Cosmological. Because we're talking about science and how you know. In oh, right, right. So science, science can be wrong, right? Right. Um, and, and and good scientists will say, you know, and that's why things are peer reviewed too, is because mm -hmm. here's my findings. See if you get the same thing. Right. And and I guess when you start going down the trail of this is my science, this is the way it mm -hmm. is then you get into this idea that science can't be tested right? because it is truth. Exactly. That's what we call scientism, right, which is, which is an offshoot of modernism, which, which basically means um, since, since we can't, since we don't believe in God anymore uh, in terms of the way real people imagine the universe, so where, where do we find truth if we're not going to find it through um, inspiration or prayer? 
or the interior life uh, communicating with God? Where's it going to come from? It's going to come from uh, examining the universe and empiricism and what we can experience. And there's value to that. There's great value to that. But um, it, it always has to have, there always has to be a little doubt to the faith of scientists, right? Um, that, okay, this is our best theory, but, you know, we, we do not have, more data may come up in the future, which will make us modify our theory, right? Right. So, um, and, that, and that's just being a good scientist. The problem is when they say, this theory is not just a theory, this theory is absolute truth, and you need to conform your life to this truth, right? Then you're in a, you're in a different place, right? So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk mm-hmm. about artwork. Yes. Because you go into cathedrals and you go into monasteries, you go to all these places inside the Catholic world and you have the, all these beautiful stained glass windows, mm-hmm. these beautiful paintings, these you know inspired works of art, mm-hmm. statues, things from Michelangelo mm-hmm. and Leonardo da Vinci. Mm-hmm. And then you get to modern times. Correct. And you have very modernistic art is the word I want to use, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really explain what I'm trying to... It's mm-hmm. flat. Yes. It doesn't show what it's supposed to show. Correct. Even the pagans, right? The Egyptians could make pyramids. The Greeks could make their temples. But we, we can imitate the Greeks, maybe, as they did in the 17th, you know, with, with some of the architecture in, in, our, in our nation's capital. Mm-hmm. But we can't come up with anything new. And there's a real reason for that is because the connection with God has been severed, right? All creative activity comes from God. And so if we're not communicating with him, we're just going to have to keep rerunning comic book movies until the end of time or the next Star Wars movie until the end of time because there's no communication there, right? So the, the very creative impulse has been severed. Uh, people, you know, used to be even the Greeks, like with music, right? Where, where do we get the word music from? It means the muses. It's, if you're able, we were to consider these goddesses back in, in ancient Greece, where if you wanted to come up with a song, you would consult with the muses, and they would help you come up with music, right? Um, there, there's no sense of the transcendent in our art. You're absolutely right. So there's a, Chesterton had a, had a great way of putting it. He said, in the Middle Ages, it was art for God's sake, right? In the Renaissance, it was art for man's sake, Right. Uh, in uh, and then it was uh, oh and then in the modern period it was art for art's sake right and now where we are it's no art for God's sake right, right. because because in the in the modern period what ended up happening is you know art is just is whatever you call it so you don't even have to make a pretty picture you can just splatter paint on a wall and you call it art art is completely in the eye of the beholder right. in the modern period art is not a participation in the divine, right? Art is just whatever you want to call art, art, which means art is nothing, right? There is no art anymore. It's just, you know, my hubcap wheels, art, man. You're like, okay. So art just becomes totally subjective. Uh, It's not a reflection of something uh, universal, right? So when you you walk into, like, uh, it, it, it doesn't move your soul because... The artist isn't concerned about moving your soul, you know. Deeper down, I think they do it for sometimes 30 pieces of silver, which is art becomes an industry, right? There's a great great scene in Wall Street with um, Gordon Gecko and uh, whatever his name is, his little mentor. I forget his name. Buddy Ryan, I think it is, or 
I can't remember. It's been a while since I've yeah, seen Yeah, so, so the, the main Sheen character, I think it was Martin Sheen. Not Martin Sheen. Yeah. Was it Martin Sheen? No. Who's who Gordon no, Gecko? No, it was, no, Gordon Gecko is... Michael uh, Douglas. Michael Douglas. <laughs> yeah. And then Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen is was, his, his yeah. mentee, right? Uh, and so Charlie Sheen is his mentee, and he's showing him the ropes, and he's, he's showing him this piece of artwork, and he's like... It's just this two dots in like a green field. It's just stupid. And he goes, you know, I bought this for $100,000. It's worth like $2 million or something now. And he goes, that's real capitalism for you there. And he goes, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's not about the art anymore. It's about how much money you can make off the art now. And, and, and you see this with the music industry itself, right? Um, it's about creating – it's not about – uh, reflecting the beauty of, of, of the creator. It's about how do we sell as many records as possible. And, and the music industry has, has been very intelligent. They, in terms of marketing, they say, if you really look at it, there's only about four real songwriters in Hollywood, and then um, all the different musical artists just tap into their ghostwriting abilities. So they'll come up with a song and say, hey, uh, Beyonce, sing this. Hey, Rihanna, sing this. And, and the way you get people to listen isn't by making a good song, it's by repeating the song ad nauseum on the radio, and then eventually yeah. your sense of familiarity makes you think you like the song. Uh, a perfect example is that song Umbrella by Rihanna. Right? Yes. When I first heard it, I'm like, this is the dumbest song I've ever heard in the history of songs, right? And she's like, Umbrella, Ella, Ella, a eh, eh, under my um. And you know what? After being bombarded with that on the radio for like days upon days upon days, I actually started to like it, which freaked out my brain. You know what I mean? I was right. like, well, this, this just burrowed into my subconscious, you know? Um, so the music today isn't made for you for, for contemplation. Music today is made for addiction, right? So how do we get people addicted to our songs, to pay attention to our artists, uh, so they'll keep buying their whatever they sell nowadays. I don't even know what they sell because I listen to everything on Pandora. So, so the music as a, a contemplating art, this gets back to modernism. Uh, Tolkien understood what it meant to contemplate art, right? Because he, he, he was not forcing something onto people with his worldview. He, he was articulating a different way to see, and that's the, to see things poetically. Notice no one in our world actually reads poetry anymore or even listens to the lyrics of the songs they listen to, Right. We don't have a poetic mind anymore. And Tolkien, this is why The Lord of the Rings is so enchanting for people, is because he is reawakening within people a poetic mind, uh, a mind that can see through the appearance of things to how things really are. And that's the gift. And that modernism does not allow that, right? Modernism cuts you off and says, all you see is all there is. There is nothing more, right? Um so that's and, and Tolkien is saying there is so much more you cannot even possibly imagine, right? Which is why people love the Star Wars movie, right? Uh, the right. movies like Darth Vader, right? Or, or Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, how does Obi Wan Kenobi put it? He says, "Okay, well, he's not a good example. Darth Vader is a better example of faith, right? Darth Vader is 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 confronting his modernist panel, right? In the first movie, A New Hope, right? He says to his panel, the panel is saying, you know." 
Darth Vader. No one pays attention to your sorcerer's ways. Your your uh, fantastical sorcery powers has done nothing to to uh, help crush the rebellion. Uh, and he's, he's he's chiding Darth Vader. I wish I knew the lines right off the top of my head. But anyway, Darth Vader says the power of this battle station is nothing compared to the power of the Force. He, he said something also like this technological terror you have constructed is pales in comparison to the power of the Force. Right. So this is Darth Vader. Yes. Is a. Uh, to, is really um, is a man of faith, right? Right. Um, he is a dark man of faith, but at least he believes, right? But that guy who was uh, questioning him was a modernist. He said, your way of doing things, Darth Vader, is an ancient way. No one pays attention to the Force anymore. It's ridiculous. It doesn't work. Han Solo had the same attitude. He was that modernist. And so... The, the beautiful thing about the Star Wars movie, which, which woke up in so many people in 1977, was maybe there is more to this universe than just what appears. And, and uh, of course, the, the climax of that movie is when Luke Skywalker turns off his targeting computer. And he turns off modernism, the modernism view of the world, and he pays attention to the interior life, Right. And he so, listens to Obi Wan Kenobi. So how do how do we how do we turn off the modernism computer? Well, well, one we we have to recognize your average millennial will watch that scene and have no idea, really no idea, why he turned off the targeting computer, right? Your average millennial will say he could shoot better if he had the help of the computer, right? Right. Um, and and so your average millennial doesn't real because they've grown up uh, on the iPhone. Uh, or with the internet, they don't know the value of turning the phone off. They don't know the value of turning off the targeting computer. So you're dealing with a very, very messed up uh, generation. And, and I, 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 I don't know. This is a great question. I mean, I don't know. But there, there, there's also within them massive despair, <laughs> right? Yes. Because they're Because they're like, I am miserable. I need to tell everybody on Facebook that I'm miserable. Uh, many people like how did that Simon Simon and Garfield song? Many people, many people speaking without listening. Uh, many da 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 da. I need to look up the lyrics um, as he uses his phone to look up the lyrics. I, I know. <laughs> ah, that's funny. That's true. But it has to be done because um, it's it's imperative. We understand the prophet uh, Simon, um, right? So, uh, what's it? Uh, what, how's it? Can you look it up, Jackie? It's yes. People hearing without listening. That's the internet, right? Yeah, people talking without speaking, people hearing without listening—that is the internet, and they worship the neon god or their screen which they have made, right? Um, and uh, they bow to their neon god, right? But the words of the prophets are written in the lives of the poor and the subway walls, right? Get away from the screen and focus on the world that's in front of you. So, but that's great, Jackie. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> There's some part issues that like outside societal pressure to have your phone on you I know. at all times. I know. I have that pressure too. It, that's why it has a half-eaten apple on it. We all have the temptation to eat from this fruit from the tree of knowledge. And it, 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 is, it is addicting and it is infecting. And I, 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 I long for it though. It's precious to me, right? I can't right. get rid of it. I, I can't cast it back into the fire from whence it came. So I don't know how to destroy that apple, right? That half-eaten apple, which has been given me to seduce me into the world of darkness. I, I, there's part of me that thinks I should destroy it, right? 
which might be the right way to handle the ring. Uh, that's what Tolkien would say. Tolkien would say, destroy your iPhone, put it under your car's tire and roll backwards over it. Um, but, but most souls live in the world of Apple, right? And so how do we, I don't know, if you want to reach them, like you guys are doing with this podcast, and you've got to go on the internet now because right. that's where people live. We have to descend even more deeply into the hell which has been created. We have to go into the Death Star itself, this technological terror we have constructed, right? Go to the core. Go to the core, right? Shut down the tractor beam so we can – we need to be able to shut down the tractor beam to free ourselves enough so we can get away from the technological terror, hang out with the Ewoks, and then boom, blow things to smithereens. How much of this has to do with corporations as well, though? Right, because work expects you to be able to work whenever work wants to, you to work. <sighs> There's no time for play. There's no time yes. for leisure. For leisure, or even for prayer life. Correct, correct, correct. Welcome, oh, you, welcome you, to Pharaoh. You, right? you go to church. Why? You, you know, is your paycheck not more important to right, you? Right, right. You are, you are really on to something. Um, so, in in the Western world. Which is interesting why this has never caught up in the Muslim world. I have a theory about that. But in the Western world, right, two primary ideologies developed because of the Industrial Revolution, capitalism and socialism. And both systems worship work. That's the thing they both have in common. It's work is good, rest is bad. For the capitalist, that's true. For the communist, that's true, right? Communism, though, is saying workers... Uh, you get no break. The, you have to be productive, right? Uh, capitalists would also say you have to be productive. And the only thing that kind of held back the capitalism in the United States uh, to be, uh, from becoming something that the, Russia's kind of capitalism, right, uh, where you basically reform a nobility class, is, is really the Bill of Rights and um, a very uh, – an emphasis on individual freedom. And so uh, – yeah, and so the Bill of Rights, they, they, there were there were curtails by by religious freedom put on the capitalist enterprise, uh, which we are losing now. Yeah. Anyway, so capitalism both worship work. People, this is a very inhuman way to live, um, without a natural rhythm of keeping the Sabbath holy. Uh, eventually, if you keep doing this long enough, what does God do? He sends plagues, right? Hello, COVID. <laughs> exactly right. Or locusts, right? So locusts, wild hornets, plagues, seas turn to blood, blah, 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 until Pharaoh lets his people go and worship, right? So um, anyway, that that's – I don't think there's uh, – anyway, but the, the whole point of all that is um, – we're a society that worships work and doesn't know what leisure is for. And truthfully, we do a terrible job with our leisure. We just watch pornography and binge on Netflix. I mean, is this how we're supposed to keep the Sabbath holy? <laughs> you know what I mean? So we've got to find a different way to um, – uh, we have to be better. We have to worship. We actually have to, as a people, worship again. But this gets back to modernism. There's no point to worship because there's no God to worship in modernist imagination. Uh, so uh, it's, it's, it's just – your average millennial has no idea why to turn off the targeting computer. They, they just, they just, they cannot, um, this is the terrifying thing. They're not even able to imagine, right, what, what the force would be like. You know what I mean? Or what it would be like to be a Luke Skywalker or a, or a Darth Vader. The best they could imagine is being a Tony Stark, right? This hybrid of technology and humanity in the Iron Man, right? That, that's what they can look forward to. And maybe goofing around with your friends, but... Um, so, so 
for for the young, for the millennials, if they're if they're not too old, they too can become Jedi, but um, they too can can develop a relationship with the Force, which I'm using as a as a, uh, a synonym for God right now, right? They too can learn to communicate with God, but they're going to have to turn off their phones for a while. You know, they're going to have to isolate themselves, um, not just <laughs> not just from each other, but from the technology. Um, so they can actually become aware of an interior life. This is, again, why Star Wars was mythic in its day of the 1970s and the early 80s, because it touched a core and a forgotten knowledge, um, which is there is an interior life, right? It is possible to communicate with uh, the communion of saints, right? Like Obi-Wan Kenobi when he dies, right? So, spoiler alert. Um, So, uh, yeah, all of this... It is possible to be trained uh, to be able to pray well. I actually think this is why some of the modern directors of um, who who are I think younger than me. How old is How old is J.J. Abrams and and Brian Johnson? Are they like uh, they in the thirties, forties? Are they that old? That surprises me. Okay, because they should know better. An ant should know better, right? Um, but they 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 J.J. is fifty three. JJ is 53. Okay, well, actually, JJ, I think, gets it. Uh, how old is Ryan Johnson? Oh, 1973? Okay, so he's older than me. These guys should be getting this, but um, but but the, the religiosity that was at the core of Star Wars, I, I worry, um, you know, that they, they, they don't know how that works because of their age. I don't know why I get it, and they don't get it. Maybe it's because I grew up Catholic. So when I say the, the force be with you, people would also say with your spirit, spirit. right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we, we had this language. Um, maybe they weren't Catholic. Maybe that was part of the problem. But Because uh, it, it was, I'm trying to think if it was missing from those movies, that, that sense. Um, not entirely, but, but it was an imitation more than it was a realization of something true. I, what, what, what I do think is masterful about those movies, again, is um, the, when Rey interacts with Luke Skywalker, she's a millennial desperate for truth, a millennial seeking to learn the way and the truth and the life, right? And the, and, and the, and the disenchanted boomer has nothing to offer her. And I go, mm-hmm, that's familiar, right? So... Um, End of reflection. So I, I don't have any other wisdom regarding that. But modernism, moder- Star Wars is anti-modernism, okay? Lord of the Rings is anti-modernism. Um, Avengers is a wash, right? Um, right. Uh, what else is anti-modernism? There's not that many stories that are anti-modernism. I'll try to think of another one. There's really not. You'd have to have a movie that believes in a transcendent power. And there are not that many movies now that argue for a transcendent power or providence like Tolkien does, right? Um, everything is just kind of, the, the protagonist has to save the world. They can't look outside for a savior. Um, it has to be the protagonist. The Avengers, right, Right. can't look to providence to save them. They can't, like, like, um, like that's the beautiful thing of Lord of the Rings at the end. It's, it's not Frodo who wins the day. It's Providence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually Mercy that won the day because Bilbo didn't kill Gollum, and he had a role to play, right? So, uh, but you don't have that men- that Tolkien-esque mentality is shared by very, very few in the world today. Um, so I don't know. 
seminarians, this is why seminarians almost to a T love the Lord of the Rings because Lord of the Rings forms their imagination to believe that Catholicism is possible, um, that sacraments are actually possible, that a sacramental universe actually exists, right? Um, so that, because the world is charged with the work and the grandeur of God and providence is leading us. God is with us, right? The, the idea of God is with us is heresy to the modernist, right? No, you're not. God's not with you. According to the modernist, the modern would say, modernist would say, you're all alone. You need to save yourself. Mm -hmm. Although, I have to go a little further, if I may. Do I have time? Yeah, you Okay, time. so modernism isn't the end game for Satan, right? It's just one more step in his plan. There is something worse to come. May I articulate it to draw fear into our listening audience? Please. I will. So, Satan is too proud, right? It's not good enough for him just to get people to, tr to ignore God and just trust in themselves. He wants more than that. He desires more than that. He desires to be worshipped, right? So, what comes after modernism? Uh, people are going to realize that they need something to believe in, right, in order to keep going. This is where Satan will make his offer. And he'll say, I will give you something to believe in, right? Believe in yourself. I will give you total and complete freedom. You can do whatever you want with whomever you want. You can do whatever with your body you want, that's ever you want. You have to be, you don't have to listen to your creator. You don't have to act in a way that's in conformity to his will. I will offer you complete and total freedom. And people will fall for that, right? And they will seek to follow him and his voice. He has been saying this for millennia, Ever. right? Right. Yeah. But what's what's brilliant about his plan is he's getting he has he has gotten people to stop communicating with God, right? And they're like, this is bigger than just not going to church, okay? When he got them to not go to church, he got them also to say the scriptures are irrelevant, right? The word of God is just this archaic document from the Bronze Age. Good job. And I'm I'm impressed by how he's been able to whittle that down. Not only that, but now he, is, he has even said, you don't have a conscience, right? Right and wrong, uh, your ability to discern that for yourself, you're not capable of doing that. Let me show you, right and wrong is just a matter of public opinion, right? Is there truth? No. Why are you looking for truth, right? Just, just go along with whatever the popular culture says or whatever I spew out of Hollywood, right? Uh, and so it's... it's uh, there's, we, we, it's, it's eventually he's trying to turn the human being into a mindless, uh, a mindless follower of him. And, and, and from Satan's perspective, think about how he gets to really stick it to God, right? Hey, all your sheep that were going to follow you, guess who's the shepherd now, right? Which right. is like the fourth Sunday of uh, Easter, which is about the good shepherd, right? So, so he, would, he would like to flaunt that in God's face, that he has gotten many people to follow him. But we have to reject that voice, and we have to fight against him. And I think he has underestimated that as dark rises, so does the light. And we shall fight him with a great fervor. Okay, so there you go. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was recorded on May 3rd, 2020. The Millennial Catholic is produced by Jackie Miller and Ken Miller, our featured patron. If you would like to become a patron, you can find us at patreon.com slash the MC pod. 
Uh, you can email us at themillennialcatholicpodcast at gmail.com if you would like to reach the show with questions and topic ideas. And until next time, God bless.